back-to-school strategy. We need to know exactly which students are coming and try and form those cohorts right on the gate. BC's biggest school district reveals its plan with a major break from provincial guidelines. Mask policy backlash. It even came to the point where some people get violent about it. The Vancouver shopkeeper harassed for trying to do the right thing. And free rent. It's a pretty, I think, uh, lucrative investment. How a BC town is trying to drum up more business in the downtown core. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories for you in just a moment. But we begin with breaking news on the wildfire front. A fire near Penticton forcing hundreds of people out of their homes. Burning in the hills above the east side of Skaha Lake, now covering at least 10 hectares, and it is out of control. More than 300 properties have been put on evacuation order. Crews have been fighting the fire with water and retardant drops and have asked boaters to keep their distance. Global's Darian Matasafung is live near Penticton tonight with more on the wildfire. And Darian, what have you learned about the evacuation order? Thank you, Sophie. Uh, the regional district of Okanagan Similkameen has issued an evacuation order for 319 properties near Heritage Hills and, and near McLean Creek Road on the east side of Skaha Lake. The, uh, there is a problem, sorry, there is a problem with the RDOS website, so head over to ours for a complete list of areas being evacuated. BC Wildfire, Wildfire Services is calling the fire the Mount Christie Wildfire. The fire is around six kilometers north of Okanagan Falls on the east side of Skaha Lake. It is estimated in 10 hectares in size. As of 15 minutes ago, the BC Wildfire Service has now classified the fire as a wildfire of note. BC Wildfire Service crews are working their way into the fire with the help of air tankers overhead dropping retardant. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Back to you, Sophie. All right, obviously uh, an evolving situation, so we'll be keeping an eye on that one. Darian Matassa, Fung Forest near Penticton. Wildfire crews are also on the scene of another pair of new fires burning east of Penticton. Those fires are burning up in the hills above the small town of Carmi, located on Highway 33. At least two helicopters and a number of planes are bucketing the flames and dropping retardant. Right now it is windy in the area and witnesses say they have seen trees candling. There are a number of homes and cabins in the area. No word yet on whether any of them have been damaged or destroyed. Well, Sunday night's spectacular light show over southern Vancouver Island is being blamed for more than a dozen wildfires, including eight now classified as out of control. As Brad McLeod reports tonight, two of those fires are burning near the reservoir that supplies the water for much of the capital region. The lightning on Sunday ignited the night sky, but also set several fires throughout the province. Eleven sparked in the Pemberton area. This wildfire can be seen in Lillooet. And Vancouver Island particularly hard hit 
Crews doused this fire yesterday on Mount Benson near Nanaimo. The scene similar throughout the southern parts of the island. Well, we saw the lightning the night before. We knew that they were striking the forest in behind us, and, and we could see the, actually the fires. Residents and visitors to Shawnigan Lake have been seeing planes and helicopters gathering water to fight the blazes. There were 16 new fires on Vancouver Island, according to Coastal Fire. All of them still active. These planes are carrying their payloads of water to a particularly worrisome pair of fires. There are two uh, eight hectare fires burning near the Sioux Reservoir. That's where most of the capital region gets its drinking water. And fires are not something reservoir operators want to see in this sensitive area. 18 firefighters, two tenders and two helicopters on one of those fires, and then we have 10 firefighters on the other fire. The Capital Regional District saying at this time there is still no impact to the operations or water quality. But since these fires have burned areas in the catchment of Souk Lake Reservoir, watershed protection staff have begun preparations for an assessment of impacts and erosion potential after the fires have been suppressed. The fire situation expected to get worse before it gets better. Probably get a few more lightning fires in the next couple of days, but on Thursday we're expecting a big rain event, um, so that will be very helpful to these fires. Brad McLeod, Global News, Seanigan Lake. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on the situation. It had been pretty quiet on the wildfire front until now, Christy, but things obviously changed. Is there any relief in the forecast? Thankfully, yes, some relief in the forecast over the next few days. You're right, though, an explosion just in the last couple of days. Let me give you a quick update on the numbers. 107 wildfires burning across B.C. right now, 93 of them new. So that's within the last two days and 78 of them because of lightning. Now, we have more lightning today, but overall what we're going to see is more rainfall pushing in from the west. So west parts of Vancouver Island expecting it first, and then we will see that transition further in. Land. So we are expecting cloud, cooler conditions and some rainfall both Thursday and Friday for the key areas that we're concerned about. Uh, so that is good news, Sophie. And when I come back, we'll show you what we're looking at in terms of temperature and how much rainfall is on the way. All right. Thanks for that, Christy Gordon. Uh, we'll check with you in a little bit. B.C. has posted another day with higher than average COVID-19 cases. We have 83 new cases today, bringing B.C.'s total to 4,677. No new deaths, so that number remains at 198. Six people are in hospital, three in the ICU. 3,704 people are considered fully recovered. 2,326 people are in isolation. And we have 775 active cases. Well, BC's largest school district has released its back-to-school plans for secondary students. And as Grace Key reports, the Surrey School Board's guidelines have at least one major difference from the province's recommendations. Hello, parents, students, staff, and community. Surrey parents got their first hint of what classes will look like in the fall, and the district is keeping its cohort sizes smaller than the provincial recommendation. Our model keeps cohorts small and takes advantages of blended learning to make sure our students on the graduation program get the courses that they've selected and need. 
The province recommended up to 120 students in a cohort for secondary schools. Surrey is proposing 60 students for grades 8 and 9 and 30 for grades 10, 11 and 12 with a 10-week quarter system of two classes a day. When you only have two classes, then you can treat one of those classes as the cohort. It simply becomes the cohort. And then the other class, you can turn to a blended or online model because that's when students would cross cohorts. Grades 8 and 9 will have full-time face-to-face instruction. Grades 10, 11 and 12 will have one block of face-to-face and one block in a blended model in a smaller class size. The reason for the smaller class size in the afternoon the blended class is because in the morning they are with their natural cohort of 30 and then in the afternoon they mix with students in other cohorts. One Surrey teacher says they should have been given a couple of weeks to adapt in what's traditionally a chaotic start to the year. Students who want to change courses, there's new people who want to register straight away, there's a whole bunch of stuff that that goes on on first day and on top of that we're going to add you know um the pandemic and adapting to the pandemic. If the Minister of Education approves the model, more details such as staggered start and end times will be released on the 26th. The elementary plan will also be shared next week. Grace Key, Global News. Well, even Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has his doubts about sending his children back to school. Asked today about how he feels about the idea, and he also voiced uncertainty. Like so many parents, that's something that we are in very active discussions on. We're uh, looking at what the school's plans are. Uh, we're looking at class sizes. We're looking at uh, you know how uh, the kids are feeling about wearing masks. Uh, I know uh, all my friends uh, as parents are asking these same questions, um, and we're looking for answers. And of course, uh, as a federal government, we will be there to support the provinces as they uh, really make important decisions to ensure that all our kids uh, have the opportunity to be safe as the school year starts up. Well, when the pandemic first hit, a small family-run grocery store in Vancouver became one of the early adopters of mandatory masks for all staff and customers. But now, as mask use has become far more mainstream, they've decided to walk back that policy. As Rumi Nadea reports, they made that decision after backlash from some customers. A revolt against mandatory masks, forcing an about-face in policy. We're losing sales, for one, and it, it even came to the point where some people are getting violent about it, um, saying they have a right to do whatever they want. A customer boycott, leading to a 15% drop in revenue, says David Lee Quinn, the owner of East West Market. Customer and staff safety also factors in shifting from mandatory to recommended masks. I don't want to see them get hurt. Masks are not compulsory at most stores. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Customers torn, saying a policy of no mask, no entry is tricky. I think we should, but at the same time, it's like, once we do that, what are the what are the repercussions of that, you know? I'm hard-pressed to say that anything should be mandatory, but I think, you know, people should have the good sense to know that when something's being recommended by our health authority, that there's a reason for it, right? I usually wear when I just forgot it today. I didn't realize I was going to be popping into the supermarket when I did it. Do you think that they should become mandatory when you're in a public space? Yeah, I do. Lee Quinn wants the government to step in. Make masks 
mandatory. The business owner says he's already spent $10,000 of his own money on free masks for the public. He can't afford any more losses. Romina Dea, Global News. And the pandemic is just the latest blow for Grand Forks. The West Kootenai City was still recovering from double disasters when COVID hit. Now, in an effort to rebuild its downtown, new businesses are being offered free rent. But as Ted Trenecki reports, there's a catch. The mayor of Grand Forks has had enough of seeing his town for the wrong reasons, be it for floods or fires. He wants business to see it for what it is and for what he hopes it will become. Uh, what comes up when you dial in Grand Forks on the web these days, you get a lot of pictures of us floating around in boats and trying to save things from the, the uh, north and south Ruckel areas. Say what you will before it's too late. Locals have taken to producing a music video to show the love, the friendship, the camaraderie. And the Grand Forks Business Association has come up with an idea. Any new retailer gets the first six months rent free if they sign a two-year lease and move into one of the commercial properties vacated either by floods or the pandemic. The seven uh, vacant uh, locations have all been uh, newly renovated, so they're, they're moving into brand new spaces. We're looking at reinvigorating the whole of Market Street and the downtown core uh, by bringing in businesses that are going to attract people to this area. Adding to the makeover is $51.5 million from Ottawa and the province in flood recovery money. 2018, many homes were damaged when the Granby and Kettle Rivers overflowed. Now, up to 100 homeowners are being bought out, relocated, and their former floodplains restored and upgraded. We've got a beautiful community that verges on roads into the wilderness. We've got trails, we've got fishing, hiking, biking. Uh, all of those things should be the image we're projecting. There are about 4,000 people calling Grand Forks home and about another 4,000 in outlying areas. If all goes to plan, there'll be more people coming to Grand Forks for reasons other than for fighting fires and floods. Becomes the sun Tension on Global News. ICBC's shift to phone renewals since the pandemic began has run into a concerning roadblock. Decals that are supposedly being mailed out are instead mysteriously disappearing. How often it's been happening and what the insurance corporation is saying about it in just over a minute. Cancer claims the life of a hockey legend, remembering Dale Howarchuk later on the news hour. Also ahead, no masks, no social distancing. You won't believe where this water park party took place. That's still to come. Right now, though, when the pandemic hit, ICBC started to allow people to renew their car insurance over the phone. That service proved wildly popular, and drivers were simply mailed their new insurance doc documents and license plate renewal stickers. But now there has been a growing number of cases of those decals disappearing in the mail and never arriving at their destination. Aaron MacArthur reports. Curtis Clark checked the mail for weeks. His grandmother's insurance expired right at the height of the COVID restrictions. Renewal documents and plate decals were supposed to have been mailed out. They never arrived. I just chalked it up to, oh, that's unfortunate, bad luck for my grandma. Eventually, new decals were sent. But this is much bigger than just one driver. Hundreds of people across BC faced the same issue. You know, when we start hearing numbers like 80, 80 tags going missing in Saanich and 50 up island. After Martin Quatt renewed his insurance, he waited so long to get new decals, his old ones expired. 
But because it was extraordinary times, he was told not to worry. He drove without the quick proof of insurance for almost three months. RCMP actually said that it's, it's a common occurrence that these decals aren't turning up in people's homes. ICBC responded to Global News with a statement. The Crown Corporation wouldn't say how many decals were reported as undelivered. Customers simply don't believe they were all lost in the mail, questioning whether personal information fell into the wrong hands. The more concerning part was really was her insurance documents. Um, you know, it has all of her personal information on it. Most insurance brokers are seeing clients again. Some are sending stickers by courier or offering door-to-door delivery. ICBC says the stickers may not be needed in the future. New legislation has been passed that will allow BC to match other provinces and do away with the antiquated proof of insurance requirement. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The Coquitlam Minor Hockey Association is looking for a new nickname after deciding to retire the Coquitlam Chiefs name and logo. The executive board voted unanimously to retire the current logo, which depicts a First Nations person in a long feathered headdress. Coquitlam Minor Hockey says a committee will be struck to engage members on the transition to new branding, which will better reflect the values of its membership and the Tri-Cities community. It's expected the process to permanently lose the Chiefs logo will take up to a year. So it's expensive. We think by the time we replace 3,000 jerseys plus all of our coaches' uniforms, it's going to cost us between $160,000 and $200,000. We've never done this Big Bang approach before. It's time. It's the right time for us to make this change to to reflect the diversity of our community and to be more inclusive with our branding. Coming up, locked down and losing hope. She just doesn't want to live anymore. A B.C. grandmother's heartbreaking request just ahead. And later, a new way to beat the heat without air conditioning. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Botello Bridge this evening. You're going to see just some minor slowdowns on the Columbia on-ramp to head south. Kermat Collision and Auto Glass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Patello Bridge. It's a heartbreaking reality playing out across this province. Seniors who live in care homes feeling trapped and lonely as pandemic restrictions take a big toll on the final years of life. It's even led one Okanagan senior to consider drastic measures. Please God help us. That's the desperate plea from 78-year-old Shirley Turton, who has asked her family to look into medical-assisted death, having lost her will to live. Unfortunately, since COVID's hit, uh, she's become a prisoner in her care home. With the elderly the most vulnerable to COVID-19, care homes have been mandated to operate under very strict guidelines, initially with no visits at all and now very limited ones. But Turton's family thinks the government has gone too far. She just doesn't want to live anymore if this is how she has to live, locked away without her family. Turton's mother lives at the village at Mill Creek Care Facility in Kelowna. My mom is completely incapacitated. She's physically disabled, so she's trapped in a wheelchair. Where public health rules even restrict her from going outside. All she asks for is to be able for us to push her down the street to a quiet little park where she can feel the sunshine on her face. The family is asking for the government to give more power to care homes. 
care homes need to be given more autonomy to uh, look at individual cases and um, treat individuals differently. Currently, only two members of Shirley's family are allowed to visit her with no outside privileges. They are separated by a glass door, which makes it very difficult to hear Shirley's soft voice. She wants to be with her family. Be my family. Darian Matasafon, Global News, Kelowna. Christia Freeland becomes Canada's first female finance minister. It's about time that we broke that glass ceiling. Why the Prime Minister's cabinet shuffle comes with a lot of controversy. Plus, partygoers tightly packed and unmasked in a place you wouldn't expect just ahead. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel. Traffic is moving well, both north and south. But keep in mind, during the overnight hours, ongoing maintenance has you down to a single lane in both directions from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Time to renew your home insurance. Switch to BCAA for local knowledge, customized coverage, and valuable ways to save. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Canada has a new finance minister after a resignation and cabinet shuffle made for a tumultuous 24 hours in Ottawa. And there are plenty of questions about the prime minister's next steps. Global's Abigail Beeman reports from Ottawa. Meet Canada's first female finance minister. I, Christia Freeland. But you already know her as the deputy prime minister, a title Freeland holds on to as she adds finance to her portfolio. It's about time that we broke that glass ceiling. And I'd like to say to all the Canadian women across our amazing country who are out there breaking glass ceilings, keep going. Dominique LeBlanc will take over intergovernmental affairs. Working with the provinces and the many Conservative premiers was one of several tough files Freeland handled. But there's no better person I'd want to work with than Chrystia Freeland. She's going to do an incredible job. She's a, a, a good friend. But we'll have to wait to see how she handles her new role in the House. The Prime Minister is proroguing Parliament, which will stop all parliamentary work currently underway, including all those committees investigating the WE affair. We are proroguing Parliament to bring it back on exactly the same week it was supposed to come back anyway and force a confidence vote. We are taking a moment to recognize that the throne speech we delivered eight months ago had no mention of COVID-19. We believe that the goal and the, and the job of Parliament is to work for people, to make sure they have help. In a pandemic, we need to be there to do that work. And so that's what we're going to continue to fight for. Meanwhile, there are still questions around Bill Morneau's resignation. He pushed back on the idea that he was pushed out. It's the right time for a new finance minister to deliver on that plan for the long and challenging road ahead. The Conservatives say prorogation means the Prime Minister is walking out on Canadians during a crisis, but neither the Conservatives nor the NDP are committing to push for an election for now. As the Prime Minister said, with next month's throne speech comes a chance for a vote of confidence in the Liberal government. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. In Wuhan, China, the city where the coronavirus first emerged and underwent arguably the strictest lockdown, images of a remarkably different scene over the weekend. 
The city has appeared to have moved on from the virus. Video shows thousands of revelers shoulder to shoulder gathered in an open air water park for an electronic music festival without any masks or social distancing measures in sight. Guests attending pool parties must present their health code, which is generated from a mobile app that tracks people's movements in China. Wuhan's lockdown was lifted in April and it has not reported a local case since mid-May. Foreign visitors, pledges of support and new cranes being set up at the Beirut port. There's a massive effort underway to support the rebuilding efforts following that deadly blast in Lebanon two weeks ago. Canadian organizations are raising funds and working alongside many different aid agencies. But as Global's Crystal Gamansing reports, the need remains high. Every day brings a new view of the destruction. For families living in the middle of it all, there are many fears. She says her son is now scared of everything and everyone. The boy's injuries will heal. Ahmad and Aisha are Syrian refugees. The family sought safety in Beirut. They say their hearts are breaking for all of the families caught up in the explosion at the port. Families like the Najars. It was a massacre. It's a crime that happened. Tracy kept on, on telling Lexu. Uh, uh, they tried to kill us, uh, show them that you can be the miracle of this tragedy and that you can and, and wake up. Three-and-a-half-year-old Alexandra died as a result of the injury she sustained in the blast on August 4th. The family has connections to Montreal and was getting ready to move in September. Donation drives, big and small, are happening across Canada. Yes, at the checkout, at the, the cashiers, they're asking if you want to donate. A lot of people are. Personal contributions will be matched up to $5 million by the federal government until August 24th. Save the Children is one of a dozen agencies in the humanitarian coalition. It's helping to organize relief efforts underway on the ground. It's a shocking experience for children, lots of trauma. And this in a place, Lebanon, where a week before the uh, explosion, we had released a, uh, an analysis that said that half a million children, 500,000 in Be Beirut, were struggling to survive already. But the struggle to survive has changed as so many are confronted with pain and loss. Crystal Gamansing, Global News, London. BC's First Nations are mourning the loss of a pioneer who changed the face of Indigenous relations in this province. Legendary Nishka leader Joe Gosnell has passed away at the age of 85 after a long battle with cancer. Gosnell was the chief representative of the Nishka Nation in negotiations with both the federal and provincial governments that led to the 1998, 1998 signing of the Nishka Treaty. It gave the Nishka control over their land, including forestry and fishing rights first modern-day treaty in Canada. He was named the Order of B.C., made a companion of the Order of Canada, and named Chancellor of the University of Northern B.C. Gosnell is survived by his wife Audrey, seven children, and numerous grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The World Health Organization says the planet is nowhere near the levels of immunity needed to stop the spread of COVID-19. We need to focus on what we can actually do now to suppress transmission and not live in hope of herd immunity being our salvation. Right now, that is not a solution. Uh, and it's not a solution we should be looking to. 
Herd immunity is typically achieved with vaccination, and most scientists estimate at least 70% of the population must have antibodies to prevent an outbreak. However, most studies suggest only about 10 to 20% of people have those antibodies. As the weather heats up, a new way to stay cool. At the root of our work is to showcase or at least demonstrate that there are alternatives to air conditioning. The cold tube created at UBC to help you chill out. How it works with less energy. Plus, top producers out at the Ellen Show. The allegations and Ellen's apology later. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. More now on our top story tonight. Breaking news of a wildfire forcing evacuations near Penticton. Global's Jules Knox joins us live with the latest. Jules, uh, we understand more than 300 homes are under evacuation order, so residents must leave. But now we have a better idea now of the size of this fire, and it's grown quite a bit. That's right, Sophie. BC Wildfire Service just tweeting a few minutes ago that they now estimate this fire is 250 hectares in size. Now that has grown very rapidly from this afternoon when they were saying it was just 6 or 10 hectares in size. They're also saying that they're still expecting it to be growing further tonight. And this is not a fire that's just smoldering in the ground. You can see the smoke that's just billowing. We've seen plenty of air traffic around there, planes dropping retardant, trying to put the fire out and set lines. It's a very active fire surface. Now, the cause is still under investigation, um, and an evacuation centre has been set up in Penticton. So those people that were at those 319 properties are heading to that site in Ellis Street. Uh, It's from Heritage Hills to McLean Creek Road in Okanagan Falls, where people have been told that they must leave their home, and the fire is creeping very close to some of those places. On the highway here, we've seen several people pull over and just watch the fire. You can see it billowing. It's quite big. And um, the regional district of Okanagan Similkameen has had problems with its website throughout the day, but it is posting the latest updates to Facebook and Twitter so people can get the most timely information. Of course, we'll keep you posted with all the latest information as this story continues to develop tonight. Yeah, obviously a very scary sight for a lot of folks who live in that area. All right, thanks for that. Jules Knox reporting live near Penticton for us. A new mural on Vancouver Island is definitely engaging the public. Take a look. This somewhat suggestive Sasquatch was recently painted on Cavan Street in Nanaimo as part of the Hub City Walls Mural Festival, an event sponsored in part by the city. The festival says council received negative feedback about the Sasquatch, some folks feeling it was in a pornographic pose and promoting drug use. Hub City Walls says the work, like all public art, makes the city a more vibrant place to live. Downtown is, uh, hasn't always been the best place and it's definitely improving. And I think that kind of uh, art and, uh, you know, that kind of creativity is is awesome. I think it's great. I think we need more of it. I've actually loved his artwork, so I think it's just adds um, a little pizzazz to this city. Hub City Wall says the community's message of support and love for the new public art has been made clear, and it's now working on next year's mural festival. 
Well, their jet ski caught fire, but that wasn't the biggest surprise of the day for this group. We'll show you what happened right after Christie's forecast. And just before we get to Christie, an international team of researchers, including UBC scientists, say they've come up with a better solution for keeping cool in the hot months. It's called the cold tube. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, it works on a simple principle of how heat moves around. The Centre for Interactive Research on Sustainability at UBC was designed to make hot days more bearable without the aid of air conditioning. This is an office that is very, very well ventilated. In fact, every desk has not only one but two windows to allow air to breathe through this space as much as possible. But in two or three decades, climate change will have turned up the heat. And the question then is, do we close the windows and install air conditioning, or do we find some alternative means? The answer, find an alternative, particularly since the growing demand for air conditioning is resulting in an increasing use of energy and production of carbon dioxide. And so Dr. Rysanek, along with researchers in the U.S. and Singapore, turned their attention to radiant cooling. The radiant cooling is really about not conditioning the air around us, but conditioning the surfaces around us, making them feel colder so that we effectively lose our heat. But there's a problem. Cold surfaces in hot environments create condensation. So they built walls and ceiling panels that contain tubes filled with cold water, then wrap them in plastic. Then we have an air gap that maintains a distance away from that cold panel. We fill this cavity with dry air so there's no condensation. So while energy is required to cool the water in the tubes, there is no need to dehumidify the air like air conditioners do. And depending on the climate, the amount of energy it takes to dehumidify the air can be anywhere between 30 all the way up to 60%. That's a huge amount of energy. Energy that the cold tube method does not burn. The system was tested and proven effective in the blistering heat of Singapore. At the root of our work is to showcase or at least demonstrate that there are alternatives to air conditioning that will allow us to deal with climate change differently. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Cooling off is a good thing, especially uh, given the fire situation right now. Christy Gordon is back with a look at our weather forecast. Christy? Well, Sophie, so it's been several days of hot, dry weather. The interior, still more sunshine on the way for tomorrow, but not quite as hot. Uh, overall, we've got a big change on the way, which I told you about earlier, and we'll get into those details in a bit. I want to show you this photo, though, that came in today from Gus Taylor looking out over Lillooet Lake, and this really depicts the situation right now, just explosive over the last two days. What was summer with, uh, you know, swimming and lake uh, use, and you can see some blue sky off in the distance. Now we're dealing with the forest fire situation and it's all because of the lightning we've seen in the last few days. Everyone's been doing really well. Only five person caused fires. So keep up the great work, everyone. Here's the forest fire danger rating all across southern BC. We're talking about high to extreme and it will take a little while despite the changes on the way. It will take a little while for that to change because those of you in the interior, although we'll see cloud and cooler conditions, not a ton of moisture for you. Most of that moisture will fall along coastal regions, but at least you'll see some cloud and cooler conditions. This is the drop in temperature that's expected, so not the scorcher that you've seen over the last few days. Just quickly, severe thunderstorm warning still in effect for Fort Nelson. That should ease very, fairly quickly. There's your forecast for your Wednesday. Rain across the north coast, central coast regions. As I mentioned, southern BC, still one more day of sunshine before the cooler weather pushes in on Thursday. South coast will see mainly cloudy skies tomorrow. Rain in through north and west parts of Vancouver Island. For Metro Vancouver, 
Vancouver, though, the rain is expected Thursday and Friday before the sun comes back over the weekend. And I'll leave you with a great shot. This is from 14-year-old Axel. This is looking out from Parksville. Of course, the Sunday night thunderstorms that we saw all across the region. Axel, great shot. Great photography. Keep up the great work. So back to you. That is an incredible shot. Well done, Axel. Thanks, Christy. Caught on video, a water rescue crew gets some unexpected assistance at the scene of a jet ski fire. He's just checking you're all right. <laughs> and by he, they mean that little guy. A pod of dolphins seen on England's southern coast over the weekend. The lifeboat crew says the pod followed them out to the scene of the jet ski fire. This video, shot by a crewman, shows the dolphins playfully jumping out of the water. The area is apparently popular with dolphins. Thankfully, no one was injured in the fire. All right, Squire is here now the roller coaster of emotions that it is to be a Canucks fan. Well, um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as they like to say. Or the wild mouse. I well, that, that's true. Or that thing we do every year where the food <laughs> flies out. Um, the Canucks have lost two straight. Game five is tomorrow night. But within the Canucks bubble, there is no panic. And I'll say it. Like, I got a lot of belief in our group. Uh, they want to win badly. They're, they're going to be fine for tomorrow. Well, it's always looked like he's been kidnapped. Those yes. Uh, They have to figure out a way to stop Ryan O'Reilly, who has become rather unstoppable in this series. And coming up later, a major shakeup at the Ellen Show, why the host is saying sorry. We're trying to come up with another way in pandemic times of doing our PE thing that we do with the food and the ride. Yeah, that's right. But we can't, we can't unfortunately wear a mask and eat food. That's not going to work. So no. We have to figure out some We'll come sort up of, with something. We'll come up with something. Don't worry about us. Okay. Sad news, we'll Squire, it. but we'll start with the Canucks. We'll start with the Canucks. Um, three things changed the moment Vancouver took a 2 nothing series lead against St. Louis. One, the Blues switched up their goalies, and Jake Allen has been much better than Jordan Bennington. They also figured out how to slow down the Canucks' power play, 0 for 7 last night in Game 4. And they got Ryan O'Reilly, the guy over my shoulder, to play like the MVP he was in last year's playoffs. He was unstoppable last night, scoring two, helping to set up the other goal in a 3-1 win by the Blues. He was one of the big reasons St. Louis won the Cup last year, and right now he is leading them again against Vancouver. And Petrangelo to tee it up again. He missed the net. Rebound. Scores. Ryan O'Reilly has the icebreaker. The Canucks need to find a way to solve the O'Reilly factor or this series is over. O'Reilly continues to bulldoze his way through the Canucks. Last year's Conn Smythe Trophy winner delivering another MVP performance as he's taken over this series. Yeah, we know how good of a line they are. They're, they're obviously one of the top lines in the league and they've been, you know, to the Stanley Cup final, they've won the Cup, so they know what it takes to, to win. If anything, we got to be harder on them and 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 uh, try to eliminate their time and space because when they have time and space, they're going to make stuff happen. So I, de- I definitely think we have to be harder on them, um, but you know, obviously uh, they're an effective line. we got to find a way to, to make them stop. Here comes O'Reilly back the other way. You can see O'Reilly's dominance every shift he's on the ice. 
A deeper dive inside the numbers backs up the eye test. The Blues are crushing the Canucks five on five. Shot attempts are 97-29 in favor of St. Louis. Shots on goal, 55-11 Blues. The O'Reilly factor is real. Nobody is driving play harder or better than the bearded one. We're just moving the puck well, managing it well, holding on to it in the offensive zone. And uh, it's just given us more time with the possession. And I just feel like that's our team game. All right, Milan Lucic and the Flames, pivotal game five in their series against Dallas. Johnny Gaudreau, look out! Oh! Is he okay? Is Johnny okay? He's okay. First goal, Jamie Benn. And this is what truly is crashing the net. Here's the 3D version of that from Sagan, and that makes it 1-0 for Dallas. Game tied 1-1. John Klingberg, this is the winner. And the Stars have a 3-2 lead in the series. Carey Price has been great, but he's not getting a lot of support from his scorers. It's more like lack of scoring. No goals a game by Montreal. That's Michael Raffle scoring for Philadelphia. That was really the only one they needed because Carter Hart shut out the Habs again, stopping Nick Suzuki here with the left hand and then pouncing on the rebound. It's a 3-1 series lead for Philadelphia. Whitecaps' next six games are against their Canadian teams, their Canadian brethren, Montreal and Toronto. They're not going to go to the States for a while. This is Pablo Piatti, and that's a goal. And that's brilliant in the 27th minute. It's his first goal. Whitecaps 6 13 and 2 in their last 21 games. Lucas Cavallini has a chance, though, early in the second half, but Quentin Westberg stops him. And then Piatti again will score. So he gets two, but the Whitecaps argued about this goal. And watch, before that pass went over, about 30 seconds before you saw that part of the play, did the ball go out of bounds or not? It kind of looks like it, but the ref said no. And the Whitecaps are down 2-0 in the second half. Well, the greatest Winnipeg Jet of them all died today. Dale Howarchuk succumbed to cancer at the age of only 57. He'd been a coach and junior for a lot of years and a coach a lot of players loved. Before he died, the Winnipeg Jets told him they will build a statue of him in front of their arena. Wasn't the greatest skater, but he could score and he could set guys up for goals better than most. Played nine years with the Jets before moving on to Buffalo. 20th all-time in NHL scoring, but he played in the era of Gretzky and Lemieux and maybe didn't get a, the kind of attention he deserved, as his old friend and teammate Dave Babbage attests to. With Gretzky and the team he had, and same with Pittsburgh, you know, like uh, the, he didn't get the coverage he probably should have got. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, but he's in the Hall of Fame, and, and rightfully so, and he should have been without any question. But I think, uh, you know, he, he never expected things like that. I think it just came organically, and, and everything that, that he got in accolades, he was well-deserved. I didn't get a chance to show you the famous Mario Lemieux goal from Wayne Gretzky that won the 87 Canada Cup. Mm. It was Dale Howarchuk who won the face-off to start that rush up the oh, ice. Oh, really? Wow. There you go. 
All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. And we are monitoring the Mount Christie wildfire south of Penticton, where evacuation orders are now in place for over 300 properties. The fire is now 250 hectares in size and growing, and it's 0% contained. And BC wildfire crews are also battling a 10-hectare wildfire southeast of Lillooet. Smoke is visible from the community, and the fire is believed to be human-caused. The very latest on the wildfire situation around the province tonight night at 11. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Up next, Exiting Ellen, a big shakeup at one of daytime TV's most popular shows. Shakeup at the Ellen DeGeneres show. After weeks of controversy over allegations of a toxic work environment, three senior producers have parted ways with the show. But as Miguel Almaguer reports, questions remain about the host herself. Off camera, but at the center of the Ellen Show. Tonight, three top producers are out of a job. Dogged by allegations of misconduct, Ed Glavin, Kevin Lehman, and Jonathan Norman have now all parted ways from the daytime Emmy-winning series. I love everybody I work with. The news broke at a staff meeting, DeGeneres telling employees via Zoom she was sorry for anyone whose feelings I've hurt. I'm not perfect. I care about each and every one of you. Testimony from former guests said that you couldn't look her in the eye. Staffers have to chew a certain kind of gum to be in her presence. And she seemed quite concerned about those charges and expressed a desire to the entire staff to figure out where they were coming from. The ouster at Ellen comes after this blistering BuzzFeed News article. Staffers alleging a culture of racism, fear and intimidation. BuzzFeed says 36 former employees also allege harassment and sexual misconduct from top producers. With no new comment from Glavin, Lehman and Norman denied the allegations. Lehman's attorney adding, Kevin is devastated by being scapegoated. There is also no comment from the show produced here or from DeGeneres herself. But sources tell NBC News the talk show was a fear-driven environment and that Ellen surrounded herself with bullies. Tonight, the show, whose signature message is, be kind. When I say be kind to one another, I really mean it. Now accused of being far from that. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles. All right. Well, I know someone who's on the Ellen Show once. Two people, actually. That's true. Mm-hmm. We were just on it. We didn't see any... And you looked her in the eye. I did, actually. <laughs> All right. Very quick word on the weather, Christy. Sure. So dry tomorrow, but mainly cloudy. And we will certainly see cooler conditions Thursday, Friday with some rain. Thankful for that. All right. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Have a good evening, everyone.